Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to another edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I'm your host, Jamie. And today's show is maybe extra special, maybe just extra special because I myself personally was so moved by this interview and I hope that it affects you the same way. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge that today's Good Friday and in our Christian faith, it is a foundational day in our faith along with Sunday on Easter Sunday. Today, we remember and celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross on Calvary where he was crucified and he died and then he was buried. And so that's what we celebrate today on Good Friday. I hope that you can take a moment to stop and reflect and maybe read the Gospels about why we celebrate Good Friday and what Jesus went through for us. In fact, in this conversation today, I sit down with Francis Chan and we have a great conversation. And at the end, I asked him about Good Friday and we pulled that part out of the podcast episode. So you won't hear it here, but we're putting it up on a YouTube channel so you can see us and you can hear the conversation about Good Friday. I encourage you, if you want to go watch that, to check it out. It's youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. But no matter what, I hope that today you spend some time reflecting and remembering of what it exactly meant for Jesus to die for us. I also want to let you know that my church, the Austin Stone, released a Good Friday service. You know, we're still not meeting completely 100%, and they released a Good Friday service. You can find that at austinstone.org. Friends, it was such a joy to sit down with Francis Chan. I was at If Gathering recently, and Francis was one of the speakers. And like so many of you guys that watched it, you were so moved by that conversation. I too was as well. And I actually just received his newest book. It's called Until Unity. I devoured it in two days. And I don't even have a hard copy yet. I bought a hard copy so I can go back and underline and dog ear and just really dive into it deeper than read it on my computer. I texted a girlfriend and I even told my husband, Aaron, this. I said, I think this is already in March, it might take the lead as the best book I read of 2021. I cannot recommend this book enough. You can find it anywhere you buy books. It's called Until Unity by Francis Chan. Today, Francis joins me on the happy hour. And you may know Francis as an author. He's been a pastor for over 30 years. Him and his wife, Lisa, they have a bunch of kids. They recently spent last year in Hong Kong as a family. And he tells us in this interview why it was the best year he's had in a really, really long time. Our conversation today was so profound and so impactful that you might want to get a notepad out or at least listen to it a couple of times. Today, we talk about a bunch of things. Some of them are the, why does it seem as though the evangelical church is more divided than ever before? Why does it seem that? Have you asked yourself that? We talk about humility in the church and why that matters. We talk about loving people and what that looks like. We talk about this desire to defend our truth over our desire to be unified as a body and to love each other. You guys, I can't even summarize the conversation well enough for you, but I want you to hear me say that it was dear to me, this conversation. I think once you get into it, you're going to understand why. So here is Francis Chan talking about unity. Francis, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. Good to be here. 
This is so great to be with you. Now, you don't know it, but I need to confess something to you if that's okay. Okay. <laughs> you recently spoke at the If Gathering, and um, I was there, and I was one of the co-hosts, and you were on a screen, and Jenny uh-huh. sat there and interviewed you. And I need to confess that my friend Tony and I, we took a selfie with you, and you didn't even know it. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I told my friend Tony, I was talking to you. She's like, you have to confess the selfie that we took that he didn't even know about. So so there's that. Well, first, I think most of my listeners will probably know who you are, but I think a lot of people will be asking, what's new with your family? We know that you guys have spent some time in Hong Kong, but you're currently here in the States. And so can you give us a little update on your family? Yeah, this wasn't really the plan for us. We were hoping to move to Hong Kong and then just be in... Asia for the rest of our lives. At least that's what I had pictured in my mind. And then uh, we had issues with our visa and the government asked us to go back to America. Mm. So after a year there, an amazing, wonderful, like 2020 was the best year of my life so far. But here we are back in the States and but also very excited about this time. The Lord has me here for a reason. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's been a really, really good season. Just even this last month has been great. I love that. Now, I do want to ask because 2020, it will not go down as a lot of people as the best year of their life. What was it for you guys and your family that made that something that you could very easily say the best year of your life? Well, I mean, we moved to a foreign country and we thought it would just be, you know, me, my wife and our four little ones. But my two married daughters and son-in-laws both felt called to go with us, you know, with our grandchildren. And so there's 12 of us. (laughs) (laughs) moving to a foreign country and trying to figure it out together, trying to hear from the Lord, study the word together, worship him together, you know, reach out to people together, make new relationships and ended up, you know, seeing, you know, three of these churches form during that time and grow so close to people because I couldn't fly anywhere. You know, I'm there in this community and so connected. I mean, I I couldn't remember the last time I went two weeks without flying and leaving the family. And so to just get in deep rooted relationships with those around us, it was awesome. And I grew to love people more deeply than I'm used to. I love that so much. I know you guys saw some, some pretty crazy miraculous things while you were there doing ministry on the ground. Is there one of those moments in the past year that you could share with us and tell us about? Well, I mean, I, I've shared about this before, but it was, it was right before I went to Hong Kong and we were in Burma, where I saw miracles for me personally for the first time, where, you know, deaf kids hearing, like for the first time and crying over this. And, whoa, I always believed this was possible, but I'd never seen it. And then to partake and, you know, like this woman with this big swollen eye and to lay hands on her and see the swelling disappear and her normal, you know, sized, you know, face mm-hmm. was like, whoa, that was my hand that touched mm-hmm. her. And, and God, I, you know, so I've always believed this. I've even pursued it and possibly saw a thing or two throughout my whole life. Yeah. But just to experience that in the context of sharing the gospel to people who have never heard of Jesus, Mm -hmm. 
you put that all together. I mean, that's why we moved. It's like, I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that. So good. You know, I mentioned to you that I was at IF Gathering and yeah. and I've been a f- part of IF since the beginning and love it. And they partnered this year with Illuminations mm-hmm. and I mean, have raised like over a million dollars, a million and a half dollars yeah. uh, for this organization. And I was so, so inspired after hearing you at IF and, and all the teachers. But what really took me by surprise was how much how little thought I had given in my lifetime to how important it is for people to have scripture in their own tongue. And I remember that weekend just weeping over the fact that I hadn't been too concerned about it, Francis, and my heart was really opened. Mm. And so in your journeys that you've had the last couple of years, I know that you have partnered with them some as well. What is your like hope? I mean, they're saying what in the next 30 years, isn't it something crazy like that, that they think they could have all translations done? Yeah, it changes, but it, I think it's less than that. I mean, it's 13, maybe. I mean, it's crazy. I know it's this generation that's going to see it. I think there's just a lot of people that haven't thought, you know, like we take this book for granted, you know, 100%. Yeah. Of us have. And I I look to this as my guide for truth. Mm -hmm. And I just can't imagine what would life be like without it. I'm so grateful and I've learned so much from the scriptures. They brought me so close to the Lord. And you just want that for everyone. But it's it's hard to imagine because you're just We've had it so long, yeah. We're so used to it. Okay, so today is April 2nd, Good Friday, and yesterday you just released a book. Your new book is out. It's called Until Unity. And Francis, I got an early copy of the book. I am about 20 pages from finishing it, so I haven't finished it yet, but I'm on my way. And I texted a couple of girlfriends this morning and I said, I'm already saying that this book will go down as one of the best books I read in 2021. And I don't say that to be like, Francis, you're amazing. I say that to say what you put into this project feels so like urgent right now. And so I just want to say thank you because I know that didn't come without without hardships and stress and frustrations. But I also know that when people write books, it comes from a journey that they've been on, on their, with themselves. Yeah. And so can you speak to a little bit like, what did God do in you to produce these words that are such an encouragement to me as a reader and other church leaders that will read this book? I mean, just hearing you say that, share that, Jamie, is super encouraging because I really believe the reason why you like the book is because it's probably something the Spirit has been stirring in your heart. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've noticed, you know, over the years for me, not just with writing, but with teaching, like the Lord will really convict me about something suddenly. And then I'll realize, oh my gosh, he's convicting all of my friends of the same mm. thing simultaneously, completely separately from me. And I think there are a lot of us, like this has been going on in my mind for the last year or two, just going, this doesn't make sense. You know, we're so divided as the church and Christ wants such a oneness And I think my whole life, I just thought it can't really happen. Mm. But now in the last year or so, I'm going, wait a second. No, God has done more miraculous things. And in fact, it's the separation between us and God he did through the cross. That is shocking. He wanted that oneness so badly that Christ would die. And as we Mm. celebrate that on Good Friday, you go, Lord, if you did that, which is just outrageous, you could do something soon to unite your church, even though we look at it and we go, humanly, I don't see how this is possible. It right. just keeps getting worse. The more we talk, the worse it gets. And But there's like this hope of, I think God's going to do something. I think there's a shakeup. I mean, it's already started in the church mm. and maybe it's gotten so bad 
the division, that there'll finally be a group of people that rise up and say, no, I'm not. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not in my lifetime. I'm going to do something best I can. I'm going to humble myself before God and confess my sin and and what adds to the division. Mm. I think there's going to be a, I'm praying for a wave of humility to hit the church. One of the things that you talk about in here is that scripture teaches that our influence on the world is directly tied to the unity that we display. And I think that really hit me because I think most people who are following Jesus would say, I want to influence the world. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to show them Jesus, but yet on the same, you know, side, we're also seeing, but you're so disunified. So what do you think would actually happen to a world seeking hope if they saw the church unified? I think some Christians don't realize how ridiculous we are. <laughs> I think you're right about right? that. They seriously yeah. think, oh, we're a light to the world. We're not. Try to imagine yourself in the shoes of someone who does not believe in Christianity. And as they look at us compared to mm-hmm. all the other faith groups, we look the most ridiculous, most divided, and it keeps getting we're bashing each other publicly and really each believing we're fighting for what is right. It's very, very unattractive and very confusing, at least. And so it's hard to know what will happen outside of God's promise that Jesus says it's when this happens, then the world's going to believe that I was sent. Mm -hmm. And I think most Christians are aware enough to see that this is the worst our reputation has been in our lifetimes. The world just looks at evangelical Christians as a an absolute joke. And it's almost a bad word now. I agree. I feel like sometimes when I see the word evangelical, I feel as myself even feel like a little nervous. Like, yeah. what are they going to say? What happened now? Like, what do I need to talk about? You said and here you said that our casual dismissive attitude towards unity is incredibly dangerous for three reasons. This was in the beginning. You said God is disgusted with it. The world is confused by it, which we were just talking about. And the third one, which was, I think, the hardest to read, it said it could be evidence that the Holy Spirit is not in us. Mm. I remember reading your book, you said, I hope that you can't even make it through the intro. You just have to stop. And I was like, I did. Like the intro was so good. And I think this was there. And that third part of it could be evidence that the Holy Spirit is not in us. It should and it does shake us to our core. It should. Mm. I feel like those are such bold statements, Mm -hmm. Francis. Can you expound on any of those a little bit more? I think about um, Ephesians 4, which the book is really centered around. But at the end of the chapter, after he's talked about unity, and he's telling us, you know, be careful what comes out of your mouth. And he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. But that thought of do not grieve the Holy Spirit, like if he lives in in me. Like I even think about living with my wife for, you know, almost 30 years. Like I know when I've grieved her. I feel when I grieved Uh, her. You know, I know it. I feel it. I experience because we're so close. And in the same way, if the spirit is Mm. in us and he's literally in us, if he's in us Mm -hmm. and And if he is grieving some of the words that come out of our mouths that are divisive, Mm. we'll know it. 
because we ourselves will feel that grief. And if so, if you're walking around and you encounter other spirit-filled believers and you feel nothing about slandering them or mm. being so divided from them, and there's no desire for unity, you have to wonder, mm. is the spirit in me? And, and I will clarify something. There was a season in my life when I really felt like I was fighting for God in mm. casting out, you know, just dividing and warning people against charismatics. Hey, these people speak in tongues. That's really of the devil and things like that. And I thought I was doing it for the sake of God because that's what was ingrained in my head. That's what people had told me. But as I began to know them and see the faith and see the character of Christ in their life, again, inwardly, mm. it was like, whoa, I think I misjudged you. Yeah, I see your love for God. I see your trust in his blood. I see the change mm. in your lifestyle because of the word of God and your obedience to him. I am so sorry. And now not only do I accept you as a brother or sister in Christ, but because I do, the Bible says I'm supposed to love you mm -hmm. as Christ loved the church. So it's not enough to say, okay, you're a Christian and I won't speak bad about you, but it's this pursuit of oneness and go, wow, he tells me to love you mm. and become perfectly one with you. And so let's pursue this as we talk about our theological differences and our disagreements. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. I love it. I remember where I interviewed Dr. Moore this past summer on my podcast, and he spoke about a little bit of the same thing you're saying, Francis, as he talked about one of the things that he's grown in most in the past 10 years of his life was this idea that people who were so, quote unquote, you know, bad as they were maybe charismatic or they were this or whatever. He said, when I got to know them, they loved Jesus. And there were maybe mm-hmm. some things that were not huge hills, you know, all for the sake of Christ that he didn't need to die on. And and I think that's a journey that so many people are unwilling to go on. You even talk about this idea of feeling like you have to defend the truth in the book. And I think that all of us could relate to that. And so many times right now, it might feel like, man, there's so many crazy things out there. I have to stand up and defend the truth. It's my responsibility. But a lot of times that leads to what you're talking about. This, you know, throwing people under the bus or criticizing people publicly or all these things people can do. And you said in your book, you said, imagine what it could be like if rather than viewing themselves as the defenders of the truth, Christian leaders live like it was their God-given duty to defend the unity of the church. And I remember reading that and I thought to myself, I think it's an easier road to feel as though you need to be a defender of the truth. I think it's an easier road. Yeah. And so the harder road would be to, like you said, like you tell a story in your book about you having like this man that you didn't really agree with. And then you got to know him and you're like, wait, he loves Jesus so much. And you did so much ministry with him. So I guess let's talk about that for a second. Like this feeling like we have to defend the truth, which leads to so many people being so loud about some things that I don't think are hills to die on. Yeah, well, I want to be really careful on this because, you know, I can tend to swing, you know, and go to an extreme. And in no way am I saying, let's pursue unity and forget about truth and defend. No, and you didn't say that in your book either. So let me make sure I say that. You're very clear on that. Okay, I'll give you that. Yes. I'm just saying there is a way to do both. There has to be. There has to be. And I am not kind of going into this moral relativism where we just don't care about sin anymore either. No, God hates sin. God commands us to fight for truth as well, but he also commands and demands unity. And so there has to be a way to pursue both. And like Ephesians 4 talks about, you know, which a book is based around, but it talks about how He gives us, you know, these leaders in the church to equip the saints for the work of service until we attain to the unity of the faith. 
But he goes on to explain that's where we don't want people blown and tossed by every wave of doctrine. So that is a part of it. Mm-hmm. But somehow in pursuing that truth, we've neglected the the love. And yeah. he also tells us that we're supposed to do it in all humility mm. and gentleness in, in verse two. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Mm. So somehow as we're searching and as we're studying and as we're trying to come to truth, we have to do that with all humility and gentleness, all humility and gentleness. So I know myself when I was studying fervently, it was not with all humility and gentleness. It was with a sense of, man, I'm pretty, I'm not like scholar, scholar, but I also go decently intelligent and I'm working hard here. (laughs) And so you just start thinking, I've got it. I've got it figured out. This guy's off. And suddenly the humility and gentleness goes out the window. Mm. You talk about this, you write a whole thing about repentance Mm. and you brought it up a handful of times now. So I think it's good to talk about, about how even you had to find yourself, you know, kind of repenting of ways where you have maybe thought that like, oh, and you actually go in and give like percentages, like, okay, I'm like 70% sure of this, but I was really thought I was 95% of this sure at one point in my life. And I appreciated that humility that you're talking about there. But you talk about this repentance and you said, you know, about what if we as Christian leaders or as Christians would boast only in Jesus? Like if we would only boast in Jesus, you said when Christians gather today, they boast about their favorite teacher and how well he or she explains the word. We talk about churches, worship bands, ministries. You agree on this or whether you don't agree on this, but what if we really just got together and boasted about Jesus? And I'll I'll say that was one of the most convicting moments for me in the book was reading that because I thought to myself, how often am I just boasting in Jesus. Mm. So what does that look like for us who are growing and maturing? And there are so many opportunities to learn from people, but what does it look like for us to really be people who gather together and that's all we do? That's all we have to talk about. Yeah. You know, yeah. First, let me just share some things with you, Jamie, you know, because you're, you know, you're doing this podcast, you have people listening to you and it's a dangerous place to be. You know, I've wrestled with it my whole life. And there are times when suddenly you you start looking at numbers and you start looking at followers and, you know, there's the joy of positive comments, the sadness of negative comments and all of that, you know, it, it's hard not to take things personally and, and weird things happen in this world. And it wasn't like this, you know, when I started in ministry, you know, almost Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, it's a different world. And before you know it, suddenly you're defending your own name and you're concerned about what people say about you. And pretty soon you're not just saying, hallowed be thy name. And you're not saying, I must decrease and he must increase. And these are some of the things the Lord has been revealing to me that I think a lot of leaders have a mindset of I must increase so that he can increase with me. And, you know, it's that fine line where nowadays any leader is going to be attacked. 
lies will be spread, slander, all of it. Things you said that were, that you actually said and things that you never really said. And mm-hmm. times when you slipped, whatever, you're going to be attacked. And it creates this defensiveness in us and this hurt in us. And it exposes the pride and exposes even impure motives. Like, why does that bother me? Is it really just because the name of Christ is damaged by this? Or is there uh, some self-preservation here? And, you know, we live in a time where there's this weird thing in the U.S. with Christian celebrities. And if you see the name of a Christian celebrity that's going to be in this building, people will flock to it. And the name of Jesus doesn't draw like that. And yet when we pray, hallowed be thy name, I go, God, I want my actions to follow that. I don't like that people are attracted to, you know, certain people are attracted to my name mm-hmm. and will attend for that. And yet the name of Jesus is not sacred in our nation. And it doesn't seem to be sacred in the church even. And I want to be a part of changing that somehow, Lord. And so what does that mean? I'll do anything anything, Lord, I must decrease somehow, and your name must increase. And then there is, I guess I want to ask you, maybe this is just for me, maybe the listeners are like, who cares? But I think I want to ask you, how do you fight that? Mm. Because, I mean, you have acknowledged this even in your book. I mean, Francis Chan, like people will show up to a conference because you're there. People Mm. will buy your book because your name's on it. And I can say like, you know, it's because you have so many great things to say, and I don't need to say that here, you know that, but how do you fight that? of Mm. not succumbing to, well, I am one of those people. I mean, it's happened. I can look back in life and see these moments of like fleshly excitement, you know, I think one of the first ones was there was just this advertisement for this conference and it just had these names like Stanley, Warren, Chan, Hybels, and that was it. And, or, you know, it might have been another name or two. And I thought, whoa, mm. all you have to say is Chan and they know it's me. You know, how many millions of Chans are there? It, mm-hmm. It's that stupid, sinful mm. walking. I remember the time seeing my face on a magazine and it was on every seat at this conference and there's posters and I liked it. And and seeing my name in print on a book, and I liked it. And there was nothing godly about it. It was there. And I, and I remember even another person I had asked, hey, can we get together? And when I got to his house, I'm like, oh, man, thanks for taking time to be with me. And I just want to learn some things, glean from you. And he goes, oh, of course, I would take time for you. Did you know you're one of the top 20 podcasts, which I didn't know at that time. He goes, did you know you can look that up in iTunes? He goes, yeah, you're number 19 and I'm number two. And so then the competitive flesh is like, okay, number two, I'm coming after you. (laughs) You know, it's like so, so immature, prideful. I got caught up. I still get caught up. The only thing that brings me back is when I am silent My phone is gone. Everything is gone. And it's me and almighty God together, just me at his throne. And he shows me what I've been doing to make hallowed Francis Chan's name and to picture like I'm breathing because you're letting me. 
I should be destroyed, obliterated in your presence because of your holiness. And you sacrificed so that we could have this oneness. And now I'm alive on this earth and I'm supposed to be making much of you. Oh my gosh, forgive me. I am so sick. Change me. I am so sorry. In tears, in his presence. And so when I'm close to him, that doesn't happen Mm. because those who are closest to him, you're not arrogant Mm. because even those high angels that are right there in his presence, they're the most humble. They're the most Mm. holy, holy, holy is a Lord God. And that's all they can say as they cover Mm. themselves up. But the further we get away from him, that's when we can talk about ourselves. But when we're staring at him regularly, we don't want anyone looking at us. Mm. We are drawing all attention to him. And so for me, it has only been when I'm close to him and away from all the other noise that I can see my own sin and recognize my need for God to humble me. Mm. Well, thank you for that. Even if it was just for me, I appreciate that encur- that word of encouragement. I think my follow-up question for that would be, as people are listening, there are so many people to follow right now, so many things to say. And I'm a podcaster, and there are books, and there are podcasts, and there are conferences, and there are churches, and there are worship leaders, and there are, it's just like, oh my gosh. Mm. And you talk about this a little bit, like these islands that we find ourselves in. It's like our quote-unquote tribe. What is your encouragement to those people to not even make much of Francis or Jamie, but only much of Jesus. Like, what is your encouragement to them? And I know it's probably going to be no different than what you just said, but there is just, we are inundated with people to follow Yeah, who have most of them probably good motives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that one of our biggest problems is we talk too much <laughs> and I'm about to pursue a season of silence, just greater silence. The Bible says, you know, with the abundance of words, sin is not absent. So the more I talk, the more I'm going to sin. And I just wonder, you know, you think about that early church in Acts chapter four, and it says the full number of believers were one Mm. in heart and soul. It's before there was a Bible and, you know, that didn't come for hundreds of years later. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? There wasn't that much to fight about. They stared at a piece of bread. Are you kidding me? The son of God broke his body and shed his blood. And as they ate and drank in his presence, there was such unity. And, you know, when they asked Jesus, how do we pray? He just said, when you pray, say this, our father who art in heaven. You know, it's like Ecclesiastes 5 says, you know, guard your steps when you draw near to the house of God. Don't don't come in and just start talking. These people don't recognize that they're offering a foolish offering that is evil. And what if believers spent more time in silence? Mm. You know, it's like you get attacked in your First instinct is I got to fight back and defend myself and everything else. And, but that's just adding to everything else. What if there was greater silence and we got back to awe? Like, whoa, you know, let me just gaze at his beauty. Let me just think about the body and blood of Christ. And as I'm humbled and weeping, I look across from me and there's Jamie on her knees crying over the bread and the cup and marveling at how could a God so holy sacrifice so much for her and we're both just weeping looking at each other with this look like can you believe what what did he do? How, how can we be how can we be here in his presence like mm. 
if we spent more time doing that and less time talking, which it seems like that's what heaven is. Mm. It seems like there's more just staring at the throne in awe and listening to others just praising him and collectively saying, worthy is the lamb who is slain. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the more we do that and humbly have this wonder and reverence for him, it's really hard to fight when you recognize how much you've been forgiven of and how huge that gap is between him and yourself. It's hard to be proud and it's hard to fight. And again, I'm not saying we don't fight for truth. We do. But I'm just thinking we just talk too much, period. I think it would be you end your book talking a lot about love. You talk about love a lot, you know, and I appreciate it. I think at the beginning, I don't have this in my notes, but I think at the beginning you said, you know, we can talk about the value and the realness and legitimate of scripture about sexual purity. But then when we talk about unity and love, we might be seen as weak and, oh, you're mm-hmm. just watering down. Yeah. But really what you're talking about, too, is like you're saying, if we would just be in awe of Jesus and what he did for us, it would be harder to have this disunity. And you end your book talking a lot about love. Mm-hmm. And you say our differences usually aren't caused by a difference in theology but a lack of relationship. Mm-hmm. And you said our problem is not our difference of opinion or interpretations, it's the shallowness of our love. Mm-hmm. And I wondered too, if you could expand just for a few minutes at the end here, what does it look like for us to really love mm-hmm. the way God asks us to? I mean, and he says like, people are gonna know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. And that is a heart-wrenching verse because there's such a lack of love within the church. And God is so clear that if you want people to know that you follow me, They'll know by the way you love each other. Yeah. You know, even as you're talking and asking me to share about this, the Holy Spirit's convicting me and just, you know, I kind of rush from one interview to the next. And, you know, here we are talking about these truths and God is just saying, okay, do you love Jamie? Mm. The pure, godly, just she's your sister. She has my spirit in her. She's my daughter. Do you love her with this Christ-like love? you feel anything for her? Or is this just an interview? Is this just, let's talk? Ah, and I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if, you know, you're struggling. I don't know if you've got bad news lately. I don't know. And honestly, I didn't care. That sucks. I hate that about me. I hate that we've been talking for half an hour and I I can't with integrity say, oh, Jamie, the moment I jumped on, I just thought about how I love you as a sister and cry. No, I'm doing my thing. I'm talking. I'm saying things I think are true biblically and that are good things. But this is the problem is I'm I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal because people are hearing me talk to someone I don't love. And all my years in Christian education. Like I didn't, I don't remember us ever talking about love. Hmm. It was just, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? No, no, no. You better know this for the test. Okay. 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 And that's where love becomes like this secondary thing. You spend several years indoctrinated on these truths, which is great. Amen and amen. But at the expense, at the exclusion of this command, the great command to love each other. I didn't love my classmates. They were competition. Or, you know, if there was a curve involved, it's just, it's my nature. It's all these things that I'm fighting for truth, but I did not have the heart of Christ. And I apologize. I, you know, until just now, it's like the spirit just going, says, you're, there you go again. You're talking 
adding to the noise. And forgive me, Jamie, it's not natural still for me to see another human being filled with the spirit and think, I want to love him. I want to love her and bless her somehow. Mm -hmm. And God, maybe even give me a spiritual gift that would bless her and encourage her heart. I didn't pray that. I didn't think that. And here I go adding to the problem, but saying good stuff, you know, it's wrong. It adds to the problem. And thank goodness for the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, I just recently was away at a trip and experienced some temptation that doesn't add to the story or not, but I called a friend and expressed it to her. And she said, the thing that I want you to remember is that God gave us this gift of the Spirit to do exactly this, is to convict us and to remind us and to bring things to the light. And so I'm so grateful for that, even in you talking about love just now. Francis, I'm really grateful for your book. And I, without sounding, you know, too much like everything we just talked about. I do want to say, I think it's a timely message and I think it's important. And um, I think that God is going to use these words that you put into the world to do great work in people's hearts. And that's what you can pray for as someone who's willing to put their thoughts and words into the world. And so I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful that you did that. And so I just want to say thank you for for the work that you've put into this message. It's, it's for me, it's for you, it's for continuously every day for all of us. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. I always like to ask my guests when we end what they're reading. I love to hear what other people are reading. So what are you reading these days? Yeah, you know, I just read this book and I forget the title. It's a little book and it was about, you know, like pursuing quiet, basically. Mm, mm -hmm. And, you know, it was written by some old, you know, I mean, dead person that, uh, you know, in a time where they understood silence better and meditation and you know, we kind of push it off as like this Eastern or Buddhist or, you know, whatever, whereas that's, it's not, it's very biblical and it is more Eastern. I think our Eastern brothers and sisters mm-hmm. understand it. Understand better. it. Yeah. You know, whereas we're all about knowledge and I shouldn't even say knowledge because it's not true knowledge. It's about information. Yeah. Information. Yeah. Acquiring information and, and we don't take the time to meditate. And, and so this book really just helped me understand how much noise was in my head mm. and how to get it out and how to get time alone with him, not just empty my mind and see what comes to, you know, not to get away from noise and just listen to the noise in my own head, but even just to empty that and be alone with the father, son and spirit. And so that's why I'm 
entering into a season of greater quiet, Mm. that as I pursue that, I believe I will take on more of the characteristics of Christ and will become more natural to see someone and immediately genuinely love Love them. them. Mm. Well, everyone's going to want to know the name, Francis, so you're going to have to find it and let us know, and we can let them know what it is, because I promise you I'll get a million messages. What was that book that Francis mentioned? Francis, thanks for coming on the happy hour. I really appreciate your leadership and your voice right now in the world, and so thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jamie. Okay, you guys, I would love to hear your thoughts on the show, maybe more than ever. So send me an email at jamieivy.com, comment on my Instagram. Anyhow, I would love to hear what you thought of this show because it was so dear to me. And in fact, I remember when we were interviewing and Francis had that moment when he was talking about loving each other and, and he talked about confessing to me that he hadn't walked into this interview like that. I mean, it was a moment where I didn't know what to say, but I was so moved by the way that he sat and listened to the Holy Spirit. I was also so moved at the thought of, man, how many times do I go through my day and never think about loving someone because they're my brother or sister in Christ? And so, man, I was moved by this conversation. I think it's important. I think it's valuable. I will 100% be listening to this show again. I want to remind you, I said at the beginning that there's some of this content that we pulled out that'll just be over on YouTube. And it's the part where I asked Francis what Good Friday means to him. Today is Good Friday. I hope you get to celebrate and remember somehow today about the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And so you can head over to YouTube youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy, and you can find the video of Francis talking about Good Friday. Friends, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope that you are able to celebrate Easter on Sunday somehow with those that you love. If you're looking for a church home and you're in Austin, we're meeting, you can come visit us at the Austin Stone. We also have all of our services online as well if you'd like to join us virtually with your family. Again, that's my church, the Austin Stone Community Church. You can find it at austinstone.org. Guys, today's show was mixed and edited by the team at Podshaper. The show notes were written by Abby Castell. Whole thing produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Music by Matt Graham. I am your host, Jamie Ivey, and I am so excited that you joined us today. And I hope that you were moved as much as I was moved by this conversation. Guys, have a great weekend. Have a happy hour with a friend if you can. And I will see you next week with more shows. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.